This episode is sponsored by Mountain Movers US, moving you to a new beginning. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Catherine Cat Cat Kit Cat. Oh, snap this cat 42 on Instagram, but never Kathy. Okay. Welcome to First Generation. Today, I have another special guest. It is Mr. CJ once again. What's going on? How you living, CJ? I'm all right, man. Everybody's favorite uncle cousin CJ out here. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about... Just financial literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, going straight into that, what stemmed this conversation is the fact that I'm trying to pay off my school loans. And times are hard. Times are really, really hard. I think going into the loan process, I didn't understand enough about loans. And I allowed my financial advisor to bamboozle me, mm. to be very honest. So just to go over what the different types of loans they are, there's three that really are pushed on you when you're in college. It's a subsidized loan, an unsubsidized loan, and a private loan. So a subsidized loan are really for undergraduate students only. The government pays your interest while you're in school and during periods of authorized deferment, which basically means when you get a loan, you get an interest rate given to you, and that interest rate just keeps accumulating with the loan that you have. So the government pays your interest while you're in school. So that helps you immensely when you get out of school because you're really just paying the loan that you took out. Now, an unsubsidized loan is probably the most common type of student loan. And these loans accrue interest as soon as you get the loan. So if you get an interest rate with a percentage of 8% and you pulled out a $2,000 loan, If you wanted to pay that loan back in two years, instead of paying a $2,000 loan, you'd be paying $2,332.80. You have been bamboozled. Taxed. Like crazy. Like it's disrespectful. Um, And these are things that they really don't explain to you. Your financial aid advisor will sit there and be like, you're going to get an unsubsidized loan. Don't worry. We're going to give you the money and pay for you for this school semester. Mm. But actually... They're taking a lot more of your money than they're telling you. So just be very, very mindful about little things like that. And then there's also a private loan where you can get from your institution. I messed up. And you can get from a bank. (laughs) And they will really give you the loan at however much you need, um, as long as you do it well in advance. However, their interest rate, I messed up goes crazy. Unfortunately, my interest rate was at 8% instead of the regular 2% that most loans get. That 8%, woo! It goes crazy after 10 years if you're still trying to pay that loan. I think the loan went up by like two, three thousand dollars $3,000. So my initial loan would have been $2,000. In about 10 years, it'd be like 3000 plus. So I'd pretty much be losing the money that I was making every time I put money in for a loan. Mm. So be super mindful about the interest rate that they're giving you guys. I don't know about your experience with loans, loans and interest, man. but yeah. Jeepers uh, Creepers. <laughs> I wasn't educating myself enough on loans, so when I heard loan, I was seeing it from the perspective of the generation before me. 
and they got played. Yep. Right? Like, there's a lot of people I know who are in their well into their 40s, 50, 40s, excuse me, um, with kids, like, full lives, like, mm-hmm. doing well for themselves yep. and are still paying off their loans. Um, and to each their own. That's just not a lifestyle I want to live, right? To be 40 and still paying this uh, monthly amount. And that's depending on how much your income is, right? right. So I have a family member of mine that accrued $200,000 in loans, which mm-hmm. sounds ridiculous on paper, but they're a lawyer. Mm. So they're making enough to pay that and then mm. really live a full life without having um, the stress and the pressure of um, financial inadequacies, for lack of better words, right? Yeah. So it's really being able to have that planning, as you said, right? Yeah. To understand, hey, if I'm going to take this private loan, how much am I going to be making after I go out of school? Right. Will that, the cost of living ratio versus how much I'm making, really, like, be worth it, right? right? And if it's not, depending on your major, especially for college loans, then, like, don't do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, or find all the alternatives. There's definitely, right. as we've uh, spoken before, there's definitely um, scholarships that you can take out mm-hmm. um, and many other things that you could do. Start your own business, do your whole GoFundMe, right? Like, do your... That part. Yeah, like, do your panhandling, like, talk to family members, talk to different mentors in your community, talk to um, different businesses in your community. There's definitely ways of, of getting around it if loans aren't for you and get versed, like, get right. versed into what loans are, Right. I didn't know the difference between subsidized, unsubsidized, and private loans. So to me, a loan was a loan was a loan, and a loan equates to debt, and debt is never good, right? Right. But going into it, what I learned was that loans are good, especially if you're in college, right? Right. So to own a house, you have to have different types of credit, right? Mm -hmm. So to have a, a... line of credit and to have a loan that shows credit diversity. Right. So you can come out of college paying these loans, um, having a credit card, doing well, um, being within 30% of your credit line, right. having really good credit, and you can buy a house sooner than somebody who doesn't have that diversity of credit. So it's That's really true. understanding like what you're doing, right? So not all loans are bad. You have to plan for it, though. It's not something yeah. you go in just like, ah... I guess I'm going to take this $15,000 in private loans with the 15% interest rate after three months after I graduate. Like, I think, I think that's a good idea. Like, <laughs> no, it's not that, uh, yeah. Research, research, research is, is the way. Yeah, that's probably um, the biggest thing you have to do at that point. You said 15% for an interest. That's crazy. <laughs> at that point, just just leave school. Word. Just leave school. <laughs> They're really trying to play you and get your money in every aspect of the world. But that's the truth. Honestly, loans aren't as bad as people make them feel like they are, I guess. Yeah. Just because you're you're stressed you're worried that you're never going to be able to pay them off because Mm. it's such a large sum of money that some of us have never even touched before it's like how do i owe you twenty thousand dollars when i only got a hundred dollars in my bank account Mm. that makes no sense how am i how am i supposed to do that and where am i supposed to get that money from especially being a college student we're not making enough money we're Mm. we're working work study that's barely giving us any money Mm. and some of us don't even get the opportunity to have that work study so it's super, super tough, but you did say it right. It does build your credit. For real. And credit is so important. And I wish they had told us earlier how important credit was because I honestly found out about my credit my senior year of college mm. and just understanding, like, oh, maybe I should get a credit card. Maybe that's a that's a good place to start. 
to build my credit. But had I used a credit card my freshman year, my credit score would have been built a long time ago. Um, and it's so difficult because having credit gives you financial power. Yeah. Like, it gives you financial power in an array of areas when you want to get a car, when you want to get an apartment, when you want to get a house, um, when you're trying to just do little things mm-hmm. like get what you need right now, you can use a credit card for it. And people don't tell you that enough. And I think sometimes, especially being first generation, sometimes your parents don't even understand the importance of credit. And then they get credit cards, but then they ruin their credit score because they didn't understand that having a credit card does not mean that it's your money. Like, you're taking money from the bank. You're spending the bank's money, but you should really only be spending 30% of whatever your credit Credit line is. You know? Like, 30% is pushing it. Like, you well given 30% (laughs) of your credit line. Like, very much so. And it's tough because sometimes you may have no money in your debit card and all you could use is the money in your credit card. And so you swipe your card and you're like, all right, I'll just pay it back whenever I can. And it's like, no, you messed up. You messed up. And you don't really know who you can go to talk to to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are people that can help you fix and repair your credit card or your credit score, but it's tough and it's a very, very long process. Like, it's easier to bring your credit score down than to bring it back up. Yeah, ways. Like, the craziest thing. And it's like, how am I supposed to do, how am I supposed to learn all these things that I've never learned before? So every now and then, um, Boston Public Library will hold a credit, um, like, workshop. So, like, the very basics of credit. Um, And then through that, if you understand your basics and you're trying to be more versed, um, that's a good place to find people Mm -hmm. to be able to have those conversations with. That's Um, real. So that's the only resource I know with the very limited information on credit that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, And me being being raised on, like, WIC or welfare, whatever the case may be, um, limits my understanding of credit as I was not fortunate enough for my parents to understand credit and for them to use it wisely or even have enough financial literacy to, like, financial power and literacy to have enough food in the house, right? So things like WIC and welfare helped out, um, but there's also, like, the pros of it is, like, hey, I was being raised and I had food. Like, that's Mm -hmm. the pros of it. The cons of it is not helping the people who are on WIC and welfare be financially powerful. Right, it's more. Mm. Here's this resource. Uh, you're more bringing the, you're more bringing the fish to the the needy than to teaching them how to fish. Mm-hmm. This type of situation. Um, so th- there's that always that that balance of like, hey man, like um, even though I had food, there wasn't any self reliance. There wasn't any uh, uh, sentiment of of how to be sovereign, how to continue mm-hmm. keeping this up, right? Because after your youngest child is like. I want to say like eight or nine, Mm -hmm. you're off welfare. So it's like I may be living in the same situation, but everybody's older and I don't have that resources I had, right? So it's like enabling people and enabling families to be reliant on this and then immediately taking it away and putting them in a worse situation than before, right? So let's say WIC and welfare wasn't a thing. They'd have to resource to different um, outlets to be able to get what they need, but because they've been so reliant on or because they have this resource that they were able to be relying on, mm-hmm. um, they didn't have the opportunity to throw themselves in the fire at an earlier time. Uh, so that was, and that is still a, a, a problem that people need to be aware of. Like, government assistance is cool, but right. it's exactly that. It's an assistance, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to understand, like, even though I'm getting this assistance right now, I need to figure out means outside of this assistance. Right. 
Um, so that's working welfare. And the same thing for, um, like, uh, like Section 8 is, like, subsidized housing, right? right? There's, like, federal, there's state. Um, and with both of them, they're based on income. So mm-hmm. if I'm making $400 every month, the income, the, my rent is based on that $400. Right. But if I make $3,000 a week now, hopefully I'm not living in subsidized housing. I was about right? to say, I was like, <laughs> that doesn't add up. <laughs> hopefully I'm not living in subsidized housing. But like, it's, if, I'm making, if I'm making $800 a week, right? Mm-hmm. Living in subsidized housing, and the same ratio of my check goes into housing. Mm-hmm. So I'm still, I still have a, the same ratio of my check goes into housing. So I'm still, I still have the same uh, cost of living ratio. So like, I'm still in the same situation because I have the same amount of my check being pulled into like my housing. So it's right. not, there's not much that's changing. Um, and within that period, there's a month where if I get another job, I have to change it. There's no point of like, oh, I can save to get another apartment and like to actually move up or to save for a house, right? Mm-hmm. It's not really like meant for you to, hey, you're in subsidized housing. This is a track to own a house. It's like, right. here's subsidized housing. You can get your bread up until you can rent an apartment mm-hmm. and then go pay somebody else to live for your entire life anymore, right? Like, so it's just... Mm-hmm. That, that comparison. It's good because I'm definitely grateful and I believe other people are grateful that they have a roof over their head, right? right. Um, but the system at play, so the physicality of it is good, but the system at play doesn't really enable or promote people to have ownership, right? right. If you don't have, if you don't own land, if you're not financially literate, if you don't have financial power, if you don't have ownership power, like you really cannot affect change in your own community right. or it's very difficult. I can't say can't uh, because that's taking power away from us, right? Right. Um, but that's limiting our ability to change our own community. Right. So, Because it's super important to be able to rent to own. Mm. You have to go through that process of understanding what it means for you to be renting and then understanding where else are you investing your money and mm. how else can you invest your money in a way where you could start to own a house and mm. understand the process of what it means to own a house. Because I think sometimes people have... This idea that it's super hard to and you have to be like way over here to be able to rent a house. But really, it just takes time for you to sit down and do your research. And there are programs like NACA, N-A-C-A. It's an organization that helps uh, people buy houses like they help them own houses. Um, There's definitely a little bit of like a background thing that they have, like a background Mm. check of like, how much are you making? Are you low income? Are you making too much where you could own a house without having to use our resources? Mm. But at the very least, they will sit down and go through what it means to own a house with Mm. you. They'll sit down and give you different resources of how you could do it on your own if you can't do it through their program. And I find it very, very cool and very, very interesting because they are an organization that want to help people move from that rent to own Mm. um, place in their life. And, For me, I had looked into it because I have been talking to a few people that had been interested in owning houses. Mm. And I know nothing about that. (laughs) I wanted to own a house myself. And I was like, I have to give you guys $10,000? Yeah, I don't have that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But if you're much older and you've been saving and you've been considering uh, owning a house, then yeah, you do have the opportunity and the agency to be able to do it. Um, You just have to find the different resources. So for me personally, I have just started networking with a bunch of people Mm. that have been in those spaces and that have owned houses and are owning houses and what they're doing and how 
they took the proper steps or what were their steps in getting them to where they were today. Mm. So I definitely think that what you're saying is like 100% accurate. And I didn't even realize how much like the government enabled people yeah. until you just said that. It, it no money, more problems. Yes. Like that's really what it is. It's man. the truth. No money, more problems. Like people think having more money is what causes you more problems, but having no money gives you problems too. Like I can't do much if I don't have much. Like it's, it's a struggle for real. And, and it's a working process. Like you have to learn, you have to go out and do the research on yeah. your own. Right. And the, the conversation we were having uh, earlier where financial literacy plays into it, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're a college student, um, if even you're paying those loans, now you can take out a uh, first homeowner's loan. Right. So you can put down even less and have an even lower interest rate on a house, right? right? But you wouldn't know that if you didn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, or if, if you had the elders in your community that are already owning homes, but if you're from an area of subsidized loaning, no one owns a home. Right. It's even usually outside of uh, subsidizing housings or the projects that breaks. There are people who are living in houses, Mm -hmm. but no one there owns the house. They're renting the house from somebody else. Right. And like they're living a different life because they can't uh, get it's more difficult for them to get evicted or kicked out of the case, maybe. But they're still not owning the house. Like it's still a very, very similar situation. Um, That part. That's tough. That's tough. That's tough. I think that's that's part. Of, I think that's part of the the process and just understanding that, especially for college students, like that's a great way to connect. That once you get the loans, you can pay it off. Your interest rate's low, but it really all goes back to your credit too. Like yeah. you can't do anything without, without having credit. your your credit being where it is. And part of how you build your credit and have your credit be where it is is you have to pay your bills on time. Mm-hmm. You have to keep your credit card balances low. You have to make sure you're managing your debt, limiting your credit card applications, and watch your credit report. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a rumor, there's a myth that if you check your credit report, it drops your credit score. They're lying to you. Where? Check your credit score. Check your credit report. There's see two where types you're at. of um, credit checks. There's a soft pull and a hard pull. Mm-hmm. Um, the soft pull is, like, your casual, like, hey, like, what is my credit around? Right? right? You could do that on the casual, right? If you're doing a hard pull, you're mm-hmm. taking it from the three different um, credit companies that actually, like, keep track of it. Right. And because you're checking it, they it goes down. But it goes down, like, less than 10 points, right? Right. Um, and you usually only do that if you're getting a loan. So, mm-hmm. like, different companies are on your behalf checking your... Um, are pulling a hard check on your credit. So, like, if you're getting a loan for a house, if you're getting a car, um, if you're trying to get an apartment, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but any loan that you're trying to get, that's a hard pull. So yeah. that's, like, limiting your... your And that's where the myth comes stems from, where it's right. like... If you do too much of those in a year, that's when your credit starts to go. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's difficult because when you don't do your research, mm-hmm. you'll never know those types of things. Because... I have my credit card through Bank of America. Shout out to Bank of America for holding it down for me, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I have to put them on. I got to put them I on. Ain't they help me. I for that sponsorship, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that part. But, but honestly, I could easily check my credit score and my FICO score straight through the application that I have for Bank of America. Do you know the difference between your credit score and your FICO score? No. Can you tell me? They're just different companies that pull them. So there's Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, and FICO. Mm-hmm. So I guess Bank of America uses FICO credit scores. So you can check that and... See where your score is. Where? Yeah. That's very effective in understanding where your range is, right? Yeah. I know this dude, 
He's 27, mm-hmm. 27, um, never missed a payment on his credit. Like, that's really, really good. Respect. No, I, I also have a friend who had just gotten very into her credit score, mm-hmm. like very into making sure that she's doing everything in her possible abilities to make sure that her credit score is as good as she needs it to be because she's trying to buy a house the second she graduates from college. Mm. And it was interesting to see how she started her sophomore year once she started learning them in school. Like, she learned about her credit score, understanding things like 401k, which is, like, retirement savings. She had learned all of that in school, and she had just started working towards it when she's looking into colleges. I mean, not colleges, looking into different jobs that she's trying to apply to. She's looking at, what are you matching with my 401k? Mm. What are you going to offer me that's going to help me when I leave this place? Mm. And I think that's super important because once you realize that you know where you want to go in life and the path that you want to take in life, you have to start thinking like that. You have to start planning ahead because once you're planning ahead with your financial resources, you're planning ahead for your financial power. Mm. You're just finding a way to have it be exactly where you want it to be and to go back and explain what 401k is. It's a retirement savings plan sponsored by your company that you're working for, an employer, and it lets workers save and invest a piece of their paycheck before taxes are taken out. So what's important with that is once you retire, I don't know how long it is when you retire because sometimes you feel like it's 65, other times it's like 80. <laughs> but <laughs> when you retire, there's there's money that's being sent to you and a lot of it comes from the money that you're saving. So if you work for a company that gives you 13% of 401k, you're essentially having 13% of your check matched um, with your company. So you're getting money taken out. Your company's matching that. Whatever money you're taking out of your paycheck, your company is matching that and giving it to you for your retirement. And investing it. And investing it into your retirement, yes. So it's super helpful once you retire because now you have a cushion. Like you're not flat out. You know, you didn't leave work and now you have nothing. You have the money you invested over the years, which is super great because, you know, everybody wants to have a pretty good retirement. Once you retire, you really want to be done with working and making as much as you were making when you were working, if that. But it is very different for every company. It's very different for, you know, every person. So once you start to understand that, you'll start to see the differences a lot more. But 401k, I learned about that. I fell asleep a few times learning about it, Uh, but I did learn (laughs) from it. I did learn a lot. Shout out to uh, Dave Ramsey. His book helped me out. hmm. It took me like four days to get through that one chapter because Lord knows (laughs) it was it was a lot. I was like, it was um, how to save. Whoa, I don't even know the title of the book. That's crazy. Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey wrote the book. I'll put it on the Instagram page so people are aware of it. I just finished the book, too. It's crazy. I got it as a gift for graduation. Um, But despite the fact, I learned a lot from that book just about financial literacy because I needed to learn a lot going out of college. I needed to learn what am I going to do for my own future, but I knew nothing. And along with your 401k and your homeownership, these are assets that you can pass down, right? right? So. If we, with your 401k, if you don't want to take everything out and you want to leave it in the stocks, mm-hmm. that's something like, okay, cool, I'm investing in either individual stocks or I'm st- investing in the stock market as a whole. Right. These pieces, I can pass down. Like, I don't necessarily need the money. Let's say 
I'm, I'm married up and my wife is caked up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, bro, everything else is, can go to our great-grandkids, but, like, she about to support me. Or whatever the kids may be, yeah, right? Like, that part. Or if I have a really, uh, a house that is in an amazing market now. Like right? Like, th- you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 30 years later, um, 30 years later, it, it's increased uh, fourfold, right? So it's a million-dollar yeah. house. So I can sell that million-dollar house, which is now four or five million dollars, mm-hmm. buy another million-dollar house, Right and just live out my days in there, live off another million dollars and give the rest of the money to my my grandkids or yeah. invest it into a business, invest it into their business, so on and so forth. So it's creating generational wealth. That part, that my guy. <laughs> and that I understand perfect. that's like a um, a buzzword now, right? And I don't necessarily like to use things that people have their own. Or, or people have put a pop culture connotation on, right? Like, right. You know what I'm saying? If you're woke and you know about generational wealth, like, you're, you're, the, you're that guy. But uh, really understanding it means being able to provide that, um, as for very specifically in this conversation, be able to provide that blueprint for the financial literacy. Now right. my great-great-grandkids and my grandkids and my kids, right. my nieces, my nephews, all my um, cousin-uncles, you know what I'm saying? My cousin-nieces <laughs> and nephews, uh, they now have somebody, an, a, a tangible resource they can see like, oh, this is what he did. Right. Oh, this is what he left for us. Oh, right. this is somebody in my network, right? And so on and so forth. Uh, so be able to have that physical um, that physical interaction mm-hmm. with that wisdom to be able to see that blueprint firsthand and to be able to reap the benefits of it most importantly. Like, right. oh, cool, like, now we're not broke. Now we, <laughs> like, I under I understand what subsidized and unsubsidized housing is, but, like, I don't need to live there anymore because my great-grandfather has left for this land, right? right. Um, and as a first generation, that extends to my native country. Even though I was born here, my home is Haiti, right? right. So, like... I'm going to own land here and I'm also going to own land in Haiti, right? right. To be able to understand, to be able to bridge that that gap mm-hmm. of just like, hey, like almost I'm Haitian and I'm rooted in America, right? right? Um, and to let them know like, hey, man, we're still here, right? right? Like there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about my family in Haiti. Right. And I need to be able to financially empower myself. So not that I can go back and be on some savior complex shit, but just be able right. to like, hey, here are my resources. You guys know best what you want and what you need. Right. How can I help you? Right? right. But if I don't have those resources, I'm just another um I'm just another American trying to stroke my ego by helping somebody who's quote-unquote less fortunate than me. But their culture is richer and their community is richer, right? right? So are they less fortunate? You know what I'm saying? So it's like really like understanding that um, and just being able to uh, empower yourself financially um, and empower yourself with enough information to be able to go back and help the people around you and those in your native country. That's people like Akon. Akon was here uh-huh. in New Jersey um, doing his thing. Like, he's originally from Senegal, and he took every resource he could here in America, and he went back home, and he did everything he possibly can to not only make Senegal great, but to make other places in Africa great, to make other places in the Caribbean great, um, especially helping with solar panels and really investing in what they needed. Hmm. Um so that's me. Like I'm generational wealth. We we here. That's the part. We yeah, here. Man. We have to make our moves into that di- direction and making sure that we're understanding what we're doing while we're doing that. To bring it full circle, um, the answers aren't necessarily in our face, but the goal is there. Right? That part. And then we just keep moving, uh, informing, and having these conversations of reminders, like, hey, like, what are we really doing here? You know right. what I'm saying? Like, we not, we not out here. Uh, in cre- 
so nous pas flaner, bro. Like we're not <laughs> out here just like doing whatever in the streets or like doing whatever, just trying to make a dollar. Like I was having this conversation with not Kathy over here, and uh, we were going about. Like, if you had a million dollars, like, what would you really be doing? Like, right. there's a lot of people getting good money in our communities, but what are they doing with it, right? right. Um, and having that goal of, like, hey, this is what I want to do, everything will definitely line up because right. you're you're working towards it, because you're informing yourself, right? right. Um, as your friend in, uh, in college was doing, where she knows she wants to buy a house after college, right? right? She didn't know how to do it at that time, but ev- all the, her decisions were working towards that. Right. Conversations like this, informing us and holding ourselves accountable of just like, yo, really like waking up like, what have I done to, to get to this? Right. You know what I'm saying? So, hold yourself accountable, inform yourself, um, and feel empowered, bro. Like, all the information yeah. is there, feel empowered and be empowered, understand. People often talk about how our generation is so blessed and so lucky that we have a tool like Google and they're right. (laughs) We have the ability to look these things up. We have the ability to to double check and find books in areas like Google Books and in the library. Use them. Use those resources that you have to help you get into the places and spaces you need to be and plan. Sometimes planning... Sometimes things don't go as planned. That's the truth. (laughs) Sometimes things are God's plan. Sometimes things are the universe's plan. But when you try your best to plan what it is that you want or at least see the goal that you want, like CJ said, things will align. But things align when you figure out what it is that you you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's two quotes I'll leave with. There's one that says, um, if you want to make God laugh, show him your plans. That part. That's first and foremost. (laughs) Um, And the other side of that coin is... An individual who doesn't plan is an individual who plans to fail. That part. That was good. I messed with that. Like we say every week, each one, reach one, teach one. Y'all know we gonna keep this going on. Yeah.